On this episode of Resi Week, watch new releases in your home, SnapAV has a new gigabit router, and the Guild Integrators Alliance. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 195, On Demand. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Access Networks. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly wrap-up of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matt D. Scott for avnation.tv. And today I'm pleased to be joined by my good friend, Heather Sidorowicz. She is the president of Southtown AV. How are you doing, friend? I am uh, Peachy Keen. Peachy Keen today? Then we have Avi Rosenthal. He is the managing partner at BlueSav Partners. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Matt. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. And last but certainly not least, we have my good friend Ken Eagle from Atlona. He is the director of training. How are you, sir? Doing wonderful. Thanks for having me on the show. Thank you guys so much for being here. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from Residential Systems. Movies for watching at home the day they open in theaters is now a luxury product, or I could almost say is again a luxury product that's available to your clients for the the, the, the nominal sum of about $15,000 US. You can get a red carpet home cinema server that allows you to download uh, brand new titles the day that they come out in theater. You can download them to your personal home theater and watch said film, uh, I, I believe twice in a 36 hour viewing period. And uh, you can rent those for between 1500 to $3,000 a piece, depending on the title. And I'm sure multiple licensing deals on the backside of that. Heather, I want to start with you on this. This has been a, a, a bit of an industry, like a, a very, very small niche industry that's been around uh, and, and cycled through once or twice. This time, uh, Red Carpet Home Cinema has some serious names to it as far as Fred Rosen, formerly of Ticketmaster, and Dale, or sorry, Dan Fellman, who's the former president of domestic distribution for Warner Brothers. So two people who fully understand uh, ticket sales and distribution. This is something that has cycled though before. Is this something that is, obviously it's niche. How niche is this and is this sustainable? Well, maybe at those prices, it could be sustainable because they maybe don't have to sell so many to uh, stay afloat. Um, you know, I'm just thrilled that they're at least doing 36 hours versus the original 24 hours that they, not they did, but you know, when Apple iTunes, or when iTunes started running movies, it was 24 hours. And that was about the same time as I had kids. And there was so much pressure to finish the movie because if the kid was ill and you had to stop the movie, you couldn't go back. So at least 36 gives you, you know, a little bit more time for your, I don't know, $3,000. Um, is it niche? Yeah, it's totally niche. It, will there be some out there in the wild that will be all over that, you know, in our LA area in higher end homes? I think that it's something that people desire. I don't think it's something that everybody would want. And it's interesting in a time when home theater is almost going in a different direction. They're not dedicated rooms, not as many as we used to see. They're multi-purpose spaces um, where the audio may not be as good. It's more enhanced audio, right? Isn't the soundbar the fastest, one of the fastest selling pieces of electronics ever? 
mm -hmm. um, that, that they're still trying to throw this out there again. I mean, personally, if I really want to see the movie, I'll go to the movies. Um, otherwise, I'll just wait. Avi, Heather brings up a really good point that dedicated theater rooms have been going away for years. We've watched them kind of disappear off the map as a rule. Obviously, there are still lots of people that still install them. There's lots of people that still uh, really, really want them. But how many people are willing to, to invest this type of money if they do not have that dedicated room, if they do not have a, a circle of, of friends that, that are going to come over and watch this? Is this something that really is, is pigeonholed into that you know, 10 to 20 seat custom theater that's a six to seven you know, figure room? Or is this something that, as Heather alluded to, could have legs in that, that multi-purpose you know, family room off the kitchen. So I definitely agree with Heather. I think that home theaters are are now becoming things that we do lots of stuff in. Uh, one of the most interesting was at this past CDA, they talked about them being wellness spaces, right? So you, we had this really quiet room. I remember the first time I walked into one of the home theaters that I did, you know, 25 years ago, and it astounded me how quiet these rooms were. And so it's nice that we sort of found other things to do with them. I'm still questioning if you really want to see this movie opening day, why you're not going for the group experience. Unless you happen to be, you know, uh, somebody of uber wealth that doesn't want to be seen in public or doesn't want to, for a political reason, be seen at a specific theater. I'm wondering why you don't plunk down the 20 bucks or even, you know, the 25. They're building a brand new D-Box theater near my place in, in Virginia. And it's going to be $22 a seat. And, you know, the, my friends are like, oh, my goodness, $22 for a movie ticket. And I'm thinking, 22 bucks for a D-Box 4D experience? Man, I'd pay that all day, right? They, I, I still, I don't understand how, even if you have this huge dedicated theater, why you'd want to spend, let's just call it the $1,500, right, to, to see the movie on the same day when if you really, really want to see it, maybe it's something you want to see on an IMAX screen or on a, you know, 300-foot screen. And Avi, in your world though, do you have customers who have Cody? No. no. Yeah, so then I, I <laughs> see customers who have Cody who I'm completely against, mm -hmm. but customers who will sacrifice the quality just so they could watch it immediately. And they're buying it for like, they're, it's free, right? Like it's in a, a jailbroke item. Um, and yeah, also I, mean, I, I have... mentioned the great last mm -hmm. name of this author. <laughs> James Careless. That's very nice. Can, I mean, I have that. friends who BitTorrent who get it, you know, the same day, but that's a whole other, you know. We right. That's a whole other argument. Although that was the first thing that came to mind when I read this article as well. Uh, and full disclosure, I do not have one. We don't play with them. We don't touch them as a company, but we have lots of clients that have them. Can everyone's kind of bringing up the same point. If you if if you go and rent one of these one of these films and you've already paid for the fifteen thousand dollars server, so let's let's exclude that for a moment. Right. But if you're going to you know run this in your twenty seat theater and you invite twenty of your closest friends over to watch the Joker and it's fifteen thousand dollars, that's seventy five bucks a head. You're probably going to cater. You're going to have a nice little party. That's not an obscene amount. But how often does that happen? It, it, is this a principle of, you know, theaters that, that are just going away? Because that's what I can't wrap my head around. I can get people to come over to watch a sporting event. Mm -hmm. I have a hard time getting yeah. people to come over to watch a movie. 
Yeah, well, so, first off, I would say, going back to your question to Heather, is this a niche market? Yes. Okay, it's niche market. It's for wealthy people who are building these six-figure rooms. So at that point, this is not about price. Right? It's not about the $15,000 that they invested in the box because that's an already sunk cost that the, into the room that's probably rolled into the mortgage of this big house or something and they don't even realize they spent 15000 on it. 1500 bucks to rent the movie each time? Sure, like you said, you're probably going to spend a lot more than that on the party and everything else and the food and everyone you have involved. This is about um, feeling comfortable and secure in your own environment, doing something you like, watching a movie with your friends and your family. And you can't get that even for 20 bucks in, in D-Box at the theater. I mean, you can get close to that. I can get that because that's affordable for what I make. Okay, but if I've got a house like this, uh, you know, I, let me give you an example. I was just at the theater last month. I went to the theater and I, you know, one of those nice theaters with the new leather seats and you got to pick your seat online before you get there. And when I got there, you know what was on my leather seat? And the seat next to it, buttered, melted all over and down in the seat. And now I got to try and wipe this off and sit in there. That's not the, if, if, I'm, if I'm a wealthy guy with an, and can afford a, a big house in a theater, that's not the experience I want when I go to the theater, you know, and I don't need some guy behind me yelling or throwing popcorn or tripping over some kids. I'd like to have that in my house, right? If I've already got the leather cushions. And another thing I've got, I know a guy who doesn't even go to the theater anymore because I'll be quite honest with you, he gets in a theater and is a little bit nervous when there's a lot of people and it's turned off and it's a public place and he doesn't know maybe who's got a weapon or a bad intent or something in that theater and he stopped going to them. So yeah, I mean, I could see somebody spending money on this because I'm safe, I'm secure, I got my kids with me, I got my best friends with me and for 1500 bucks, we're having a party and watching a movie and everybody's gonna remember it. Very good. All right, gentlemen, let's move on. Or ladies and gentlemen, sorry, Heather. Let's move on to our next topic of the day. This comes to us from Residential Tech Today. SnapAV has expanded their package line with a new gigabit router. You can read through this. They cover a couple of key things, one of which is that it has backpack remote built in and it is license free with this device. Avi, I want to start with you on this because th this really one of the things that they're, they're promoting with this is how important it is to have a quality router because of all of the IOT devices that are, that are sitting on networks today. And obviously that's kind of your wheelhouse. So <laughs> Avi, when, when you see like devices like this come up, when you see them being promoted in that fashion, is that uh, obviously there's a lot of marketing in any press release or, or, or any, you know, promo of a new product. But how important is it to, A, have a, a quality router when you've got all these smart devices in your home? But how does that, from a marketing standpoint, tie into, you know, promoting your clients to, to go and get, you know, this great new router uh, from Package in this experience? So it is incredibly important, right? We are the, the uh, network, of, especially a smart home network, is only as strong as its weakest link. And unfortunately, for years, we were relegated as integrators to using the you know, $69 uh, off-the-shelf router that really didn't service our customers and didn't give us the ability to service our customers remotely. Everything was a truck roll. 
the beauty of a product like this is it's engineered for throughput. It's engineered for reliability and, and to be up, you know, four nines worth of reliability. And then it has this incredible remote access uh, software so that even if there is a problem, if somebody comes home and adds something to the network that may take it down, you're still going to have the ability to sit, you know, in your car, right, and be able to type away and be able to fix this thing remotely without necessarily having to make a truck roll. You can sit in your office. You can do it from anywhere, and that's all about uptime. Now, when Mr. and Mrs. Homeowner call you that they're having a problem, it's not about, oh, I'm going to schedule it. I'll be out there in a few hours. It's no problem, Mrs. Smith. I'm going to log in right now. I'm going to fix it. But having that robust pipe is of ultimate uh, usability, right? The, the, mm -hmm. the fact that it is got that throughput in it is going to make it so much better experience. There's no longer a lag. Everything that we touch these days has got to go to the cloud. Having that pipe and having everything being able to be routed efficiently means that the transfer of that data up and back from that cloud is going to make sure that it happens reliably and low latency. Very good. Ken, when, when you see something like this, it, it always makes me kind of come back to this initial question and, you know, I'll, I'll preface it with, with this. My, my personal company has been a Cisco partner for years. We, we play in a lot of that, that Cisco IT world opposed to the, the AV networking world. How important is it or is there a, a, a true benefit these days to be specifying AV specific network products versus traditional IT network products? Is, is Backpack in, in this example that big of a sell that it, it, it outweighs uh, maybe some, some other benefits that traditional IT products might have? Um, yeah, in a lot of ways, I'd say yes. Um, in the residential space, in your single family home, um, yeah, I think that, you know, these guys, Pack Edge and a few others out there are doing a great job targeting the residential integrator community with these special services while at the same time taking care of that homeowner, keeping them front of mind. And when we go to a commercial grade product like Cisco and my company, we use a lot of Cisco too. And we use a lot of Cisco in commercial and light commercial solutions, but you are stripping off some of the features that the residential uh, categories putting into those products. So I think, yeah, I think there's definitely an advantage to that because you're getting more under one umbrella out of that product. And you've got a piece that um, maybe allows you to set up reoccurring revenue as an integrator, gives you a way to manage your customer and help keep their system up and running and protected. So yeah, I, I like it. I, I like that package is doing this and I like that they're targeting the integrator market. Very good. Heather, when you, when you follow the, the backpack life cycle and, and, and process, and whether it be backpack or any of the other remote monitoring platforms that are out there, how heavily does that weigh into your product selection? Again, whether it be residential or commercial, when you're looking at, uh, whether it be networking or any other product, does the, the capability of native remote management, uh, especially one that is centralized, does that weigh in, incredibly heavy into your recommendation and, and your, your system builds, or is it just a added bonus if it's got it? Um, no, it definitely weighs heavily, right? So, I mean, on the residential side, the way we always describe it is, you know, that um, router you're going to get from the cable company is like the rent-a-cop, 
um, that you're going to have at the mall versus these better enterprise grade as like having a state trooper, right? And that's what's going to control your traffic in and out to make that easily understandable to the end user. So yeah, a system is only as good as, it, as, good as its weakest link. Um, on this specific article, I was interested that they're announcing new product with backpack versus oversee. So we're really not seeing that, that mm -hmm. change over there. Um, I think that overall, the remote management is the way of the future, whether you like it or not. Like it's, it's really the only way to function moving forward um, in, in this world of AV, this world of AV. And I agree with what Ken was saying that these Cisco, we are ubiquity. And the only reason we can do that is because we have a guy who speaks ones and zeros. If we didn't have him, then we would need something more like backpack that's a little bit more user friendly, a little bit, it's more created as with a, a, a GUI that more people can understand and you don't have to be that IT professional. So I think there's certainly a need. And I think that uh, it, you have to look at who you are as a company to figure out what you, the right answer is for you. Very good. All right, let's move on to our last story of the day. This comes to us from CE Pro and Jason Knott. What is the Guild Integrators Alliance? Uh, if you are a car guy, it's not the Guild that restores classic cars. It's something entirely different. Uh, essentially, read through the article. He gets into this, this group that is just starting to, shall we say, surface uh, of 14 elite custom integration firms that have gotten together to form what is referred to as the Guild's Integrators Alliance. It is not a buying group. It is not a management group. It is uh, it's like a essentially... Secret society. Yes, it's a secret I, cloaked I society. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but what it what it is is it's it seems to be an alliance of 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 some form. Uh, it, it's a group of dealers who have become kind of friends, and they've broken down a lot of those traditional walls that get set up between integrators, where they're talking about all kinds of things that are normally kept in house. Ken, I do want to start with you on this one. Uh, the list of companies that are in this is pretty impressive. These are some, some pretty good companies out there. The, the guild does not bring in, uh, doesn't allow uh, people just to join. It's something where they seek you out and potentially might add you. You can't just join normally. They get together uh, via video conference and a couple other ways. They've got Slack channels. It, it's really this, you know, for the greater good type organization from, from the outside. When you see something like this, this is, you know, something that we've, we've kind of seen in, in, in spurts, right? Where you've got local groups that get together, but they don't talk too much uh, into specifics because uh, they're local and they, they're competitors. This is kind of going beyond that. If, if you were still running an integration firm, is this something that you would want to be a part of? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I can tell you, I, I love this. I read this article and I, I know several of the companies on here. I know the commitment they've made. I, I think this is great. But here's what I, here's what I really like about it. Cause we've seen, you've mentioned, we've seen things like this in the past. And usually what we see are the business owners have an agreement at a business owner level and they chat with each other and they get together. But this goes way deeper what they're suggesting here, especially through the social media tool of Slack, which is a great tool, they are connecting other members of the company together. So I could be a programmer or an installer or a wire puller, whatever my job is within the company, 
and I could chat with somebody else from other companies about some ideas. I could be the team lead or the product man, uh, project manager out there on the site and actually have somebody else to turn to, probably take a picture of something, send it to someone, have you run into this before? How do you get around this? This is huge. This is huge because you know I was an integrator for seven years. I owned an integration firm. And when I had a question about it, I can tell you that one of the guys who's in this list of 14 right here was uh, somebody who lived in the same state as me who was a bit of a mentor. And I bounced a lot of things off of this guy. He was great. But to have a community of these people would have been truly invaluable. I love it. Heather, when you see this and you know, kind of to Ken's point, we, we, we traditionally are on you know, islands. There, there is not this huge, obviously there's a huge group of us under Cedia, under, you know, buying groups, under all these other things, but you still don't have a, a, a lot of day-to-day -day impact. And, you know, I, when I, when I can contrast that with say mo most, you know, local builders or renovators, they're actively involved in local chapters of something, uh, be it a renovate, renovators council or home builders association. And they throw ideas around all the time. We don't really yet seem to have that in, in the residential space. Obviously, this is very uh, elite as far as there's only a few members to this. But do you see stuff like this being uh, copied, if you will, for larger groups? Well, let me take a step back and say that as a still board member to the end of this year, although all opinions are of my own, um, CDR does have this same setup, except it's not, um, it's not, no one's going through it. So as a CDA member, you have CDA groups, which is members of eight to 10 people who meet and you can meet as often or as little as you want. So you can find the right group for you. It comes with your membership um, that you can have that ability and share different information and pieces of that. And then be through the CDA community, you could post, hey, I have this issue, question, has anyone seen this before? And anytime I've ever seen someone post that, like a specific question, and not use it as a place to rant, <laughs> um, I, I've seen that, that, that they get the answers, you know, and, and some really good stuff. So I do believe that it does exist, maybe not in this format of this elite secret society, 14 exclusive members, um, although these are the same members that are going to be selling the uh, red carpet home cinema, right? These are the same companies who are probably all over this. Um, so I think you have to find what your wheelhouse is and you should connect with like-minded like people from your wheelhouse. I think that that's hugely important. If it weren't for those pieces as our company grew, I wouldn't be where I am today. Um, and I'll say again with the Cedia groups or community, it doesn't just have to be the business owners. Any if I'm a senior member, any of my techs could go on and say, hey, I have this question. Um, what, you know, have you seen this before? It may not be used that much, but it does exist. So well, it's out well, there. Heather, couldn't it be, I mean, I, I was an integrator for many years before I moved to the dark side on the, on the manufacturing. But, you know, we, we didn't have a formal group like this, but certainly we talked amongst ourselves. We would go out to the shows. Yeah, and you meet people and you ask questions and... And, and, and there's a lot of networking that goes on, but there was always sort of this fear factor, right? There was always this standoffishness before you gave an answer to see where that person was from. Like For sure. Like I've made, I mean, Matt and I are friends. We're close enough that we could visit, although we haven't yet, but I can ask Matt any question. And I have throughout the years. I'm like, sure. Hey, what do you think about this or that? 
Um, so I think you form allegiance or alliances with those people, and that's how Cedia groups works. It's they don't ever put people who are ge geographically similar, so they do form their groups. You know, people usually they try to do the same um, that they're on the same same time um, to make that a little bit easier. You know, Ken in California is going to not be as easy for him and I to communicate all the time. Although I don't think Ken sleeps, so it might be possible. <laughs> Well, I, although the company's in California, I'm in Atlanta. So I'm in the same time zone as you. Oh, you weren't always in Atlanta, though, were you? Yeah. Oh, okay. Making things up then. Not surprising. <laughs> well, half the time I'm in California anyway, so. So, Abby, let me ask you this, because this was the the one part of this article that I kind of took away, and I, I, I don't know why it bothered me. I don't know what made me, you know, kind of see it and go, ooh, I'm not sure I love that. Part of it is the what the future holds section. They start talking about how the guild is trying, you know, they created their own website. They're trying to create and, and put this message together so that if, you know, an integrator or, or a client of an integrator has a home in New York and all of a sudden they're building something in Montana that they can go to the guild website and find another, you know, member who's out that way mm -hmm. and, and, and do that. And to me, that's always been the, kind of part of the role of the integrator is, is when you have a client that has a second home or moves or does something that requires services outside of your service region, they ask you as the integrator and say, hey, do you know anybody in California? Do you know anybody in Buffalo who can help me out to, you know, hot spots of relocation yep. there? Um, <laughs> when you see that, when, when you see them taking it beyond just uh, obviously a formalized friendship and, and kind of partnership of sharing ideas and, and trying to raise their, their boats and, and their ocean level together into a little bit more than that. How, how does that hit you? Am I reading this wrong? No, I think you're actually reading it right. And it's, it's an interesting problem. You know, back in the day, we used to, uh, we, we used to do the same thing, right? I, I was based in Florida. I had a good uh, integrator friend of mine that I had met through the trade shows that was out in Arizona. And so every once in a while, I'd have a client in Florida that would move out west, and, and he would, you know, sort of pick up the slack for me. What I find very interesting about the Guild is that they've sort of formalized all these processes, mm -hmm. right? They have these standing committees, and they have a, a requirement for the guys to visit uh, one another on a, you know, a, 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 I think it's every couple of months or so, twice a year. Um, they actually visit each other. So I, to me, what the Guild is is sort of the, evo the natural evolution of this informal, you know, conversations that we've had. I, you know, I know, I know this may be a sensitive subject, but you could actually see the guild becoming the next CEDIA, right? You could see it becoming another group that is a, a group of like-minded individuals, an industry um, group, if you will, that will sort of, you know, develop over time. Um, I know that there are plenty of CEDIA guys who feel like CEDIA has lost its exclusive edge over the years. And so, you know, this is maybe a response to that. So I, I like it. I like the fact that they're willing to work together. I like the fact that they're willing to share information because that was always the hardest part when I was an integrator was finding somebody who, you know, understood my daily life the way that, that I had to experience it. But the fact that they're going to start to trade leads and they're going to start to maybe then homogenize uh, billing, you know, if uh, the guy in Montana is going to charge the same amount as the guy in LA because he's got a client that's moving from one to the other, well, now it gets much more interesting, right? It's, it's not about trading information. Now it's about uh, billing and collecting and services and value. 
Yeah, it's very interesting to watch. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all the time we have today. Thank you so much for joining us. Heather, if people want to connect with you, learn more about Southtown AV, how can they do that? Um, you can find me playing over on Twitter, um, tech underscore chi, C-H-I, if you're interested in company, you know, more important, formal stuff, um, southtownav.com. Excellent. Thank you so much for being here. Avi, my friend, thank you for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Blue Sweat Partners and some of the products that you guys work with, where can they find that? Uh, best place is our website, bluesav.com. That's B-L-U-E-S-A-L-V-E.com. We're also on Twitter and Facebook and LinkedIn and all those happy places. So, but thanks so much for having me on today. Thank you so much for being here. And Ken, last but not least, thank you again for joining us. If people want to connect with you, learn more about Athlona, where can they do that? Thanks, Matt. Uh, best way to reach me, ken.eagle at atlona.com or online at atlona.com. And at ISC in February, if you're making the trip. Oh, yeah. That's coming up there. very quickly. I already made my reservations. Right. I've never been. Bunch of oh, fun the last year in Amsterdam. Yes, you should oh, have. It'll year. be a blast. All right. Thank you all for joining us once again. For myself, if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Matt D. Scott on Twitter and pretty much every other social platform. But more importantly, please stop by avnation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of our other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you support them as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all the time we have for this episode of Resi Week. Resi Week.